I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'll kind of set up the evening. Chad Almy, uh, who's on our admin team and has also been leading this little building group that we've had for the last six or eight weeks, is going to share all of the nuts and bolts about this opportunity to buy this building, and then I'll come up at the end and wrap everything up, maybe, hopefully about an hour. That's what we were at on Sunday, about an hour, if that just helps you kind of pace yourself for the night. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you uh, for this opportunity, and uh, we do believe it's a, it's a good gift from you, and so I pray that you would just help us all uh, collectively and then individually hear what you're saying to us about this opportunity and what our part would be uh, in, uh, in responding uh, to that. So I pray you give us ears to hear. I pray for Chad, and you give him grace to communicate all of these details and you give us ears to hear you know, what he's saying. There wouldn't be a miscommunication. We wouldn't miss each other as we're walking through this presentation. And that everybody would just have a sense over the next several days of being led by you. Not through compulsion, not through guilt, not through fear, um, but just your spirit speaking and then us responding in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So just to set up and get everybody on the same page, um, February 13th. Uh, Robin Burris, he's on our admin team, called me and said, uh, got him Bill Chegwidden. Uh, he has a building on the corner of Kennesaw Avenue and Tower Road, and he, he, he wants to know if we want to buy it. And so the next day, Whit Smith, uh, Whit and Robin have been looking for um, properties for us for the past several years. Uh, he and I went and did a tour, just a brief tour. We talked to Bill for 20 or 30 minutes, and we were intrigued by him and by the opportunity and uh, we did a little bit of recon, presented the opportunity to our admin team, and the admin team felt like, hey, this is worth exploring. And so, again, we did a, a bit of a deeper dive. It was still superficial, but it, trying to gather some more information. And then in March, the end of March, we had these family dinners, and many of you came to those. Some of you may not have been able to, but we presented this as an opportunity, which is what we felt like it was at the time. This is an open door. We don't know if we need to walk through it, or we don't know if we need to walk past it. There was enough kind of fingerprints of God on the way the opportunity came to us. It was not something that we were seeking out. Bill, in prayer, was saying, God, what do I do with this building? And what he felt like the Lord said was it should be a church, and he reached out to us. So there was, a, there was enough pieces there that made us think God is in this. It's an open door. Bill's posture towards us has been incredibly open um, from day one that we thought, yeah, let's, let's see, but, but we don't know. And so at that family dinner, we presented it as an opportunity. And so there's two major questions we're trying to ask. Can we do this? And should we do this? Can we is really a financial question. Should we, regardless of the money, is this what the Lord, is this the direction the Lord is leading us? And so we took two weeks after those family dinners just to pray. And we asked everybody to pray. We had an opportunity uh, to tour the building. About 250 people walked through it. You may have had the opportunity to do that, and we said, share, tell us what you're hearing, and we, got, we heard from 60-plus people in writing, more, from, more people than that, verbally, and at the end of the two weeks, the consensus from the staff, uh, from the admin team, and from the congregation was, yes, this is something that we should do. The, the, what we heard from the congregation was overwhelming, uh, yes, we should do this, the staff was unanimous, as was the admin team. So after that, uh, Chad pulled together a, a group of people to really dive into the can we. What would it look like for us to be able to do this in a responsible way? And he's going to come up in a minute. And he's going to share all of the data that they've collected, and he's going to present it so you can see this is what it would look like for us to be able to do this again in a way where we could be good stewards moving forward. The financial piece for us is the final fleece. I believe that God, this is uh, a door we need to walk through. I want us to get the building just perfectly transparent. I do think God wants us to have it. And so I want us to do our part in saying yes. I may be wrong. And if we don't get the money, then we won't. And Chad's going to share all of those numbers, how we arrived at them, and what it looks like for us moving forward. And then again, I'll come up at the end and kind of put a bow on everything. And then y'all will have an opportunity over the next seven to 10 days just to pray 
respond however the Lord is leading you in terms of your participation. Good? Chad? Sorry, that was my fault. Is it? Okay, there we go. Um, Thanks, guys, for being here tonight. I'm Chad Almy. I'm on the admin team and uh, the building committee, and just want to share a little bit. And I'd like to start by framing our intent, just so we're completely clear and transparent. So every slide you're going to see here tonight, and hope three things, we're trying to remove barriers, create handholds, and be authentic. And what I mean by that is everything that we say is hope pray through how God wants you and your family individually to participate. And we wanted to give you as much information. So some of the slides are, are pretty direct and have very specific information about giving and what it might look like. I hope that no one feels like those slides are manipula- manipulative or intended to then equip you with information so that when you go back to discern God's will for how you participate, we have. One thing that... Uh, I love about Stonebridge and I love about pastor makes the decision or the head pastor and a small group of people make a decision. A situation like this is stuck with the bill. We're a church where through the body. That's what the first round of family dinner, we tried to set up this pledge process. Can we financially do this? We want actively. Um, and it's about it. You're going to make a pledge and we'll call the pledges and find speaking to the body. Stuff that was covered at the, the rationale drivers here that were us. We lease all that as long as that we're orders. Or just to get out. So that hole that's been cut in the wall, we're actually going to have to re-brick that up and spend more money just to be able to get out. So um, all of the money that's been spent on renovations and that if we were to spend more money in the future on renovations, that, that money is sunk cost. Also, rent, we've spent $1,278,000 on rent in this current space. And again, that's only going to escalate and be more significant going forward. The other concern, and, and maybe the, the more significant one, at least in the, the near term, is space. So uh, if, especially if you're a 945-er, and especially if you have young children, you probably recognize that we're about at our limits space-wise. Um, we had a, had a woman um, pull me aside after the service on Sunday and say, oh, I wish I'd taken a picture of the, the crawler's room today. There were, you know, 12 kids and three adults in a room that's, that's probably a small child's bedroom. I mean, we are really busting at the seams for space uh, for nursery and then for pathfinders, so sort of birth to fifth grade, um, as well as, as with the sanctuary space, right? We often have to utilize the overflow room at 945 and 1130. So, we need more space. We're growing at 8% year over year. If you go back to 2014, we've grown an average of 8% a year every year. And so if we're already bursting at the seams, you can think about what it would be like two or three years from now. So we'd end up at a time when the leases are expiring, we're going to have to end up paying significantly more and it's space that doesn't even work for us anymore practically. So we currently have, uh, in 2019, we're averaging 467 adults, 181 kids, and 82 students. If you take those numbers and you apply an average growth rate of 8%, which is what we've seen, in the new space, we could go back to two services a Sunday, and it would be seven years before we would even have to add a third service. So it really does give us that runway uh, that we need in terms of, of giving us extra space. Just to make that point a little more clearly, on the next slide, you see that, again, the really the two sp- places that we need more space are with kids and in the sanctuary. With kids' space, this is a, a floor plan, a potential floor plan. It's not current state, but a potential floor, floor plan of the CDH building. And if you see, we had, what we did is we had Chris Cochran, who was on the building committee, who renovates and builds churches for a living for Brassfield. He walked around with the staff and sort of said, what would this space look like ideally in order to be able to use it uh, for everything we'd use it for, right? For kids, for the sanctuary, et cetera. And so he put together a floor plan. We don't have architectural designs. We haven't bid it out yet, so we don't know the exact cost of renovations, but he did a square footage estimate of renovations, which should be fairly close, conservative, but fairly close. And we'll go over those numbers in a second. But I wanted to put this floor plan up in making this point about space, because not only will we have more space, but it could really be ideal space in terms of what we need it for. So you see, if you remember, if you were able to take the tour, when you came in the lobby, if you turned to the left and went into the building that sort of went long ways that way, 
if we took those first two floors and made that the space for birth to fifth grade, we'd have 10,000 square feet for our kids. We currently have 3,500, so we would almost triple the square footage for our kids. And, you know, again, with the floor plan, we've been able to, to, to sort of see that we could really have rooms that are ideally sized for every age uh, and room to grow. Um, this other side on the left is potentially what the renovation of that administrative space would look like, that uh, if you went to the right when you walked in, the space underneath the sanctuary. We don't know that we'll be able to do all of this from day one. A lot will depend on how much we raise in the pledge process, and I'll go over that in a minute. But ultimately, this space could be perfect for our, for our students. So we'd have that huge uh, gathering space there in the back, and then classrooms all throughout uh, that would really serve our middle school and high school students well. Um, the next slide shows the sanctuary. So this, the new sanctuary, the worship space, would be two and a half times larger than this, this space. So again, significant growth potential that, uh, that really would serve us well for as far as, as we can probably imagine into the future because we add a third service if we need to. And, you know, there we have a number, a number more years to grow into it. Um, I want to talk now a little bit about uh, the finances. So, you know, we in the family dinners talked a little bit about uh, that it might be in the 1.75 to $2 million range, but didn't really know because we hadn't done the, done the work yet. So we've now done the work, and we've got a series of numbers to present to you tonight. And again, this is uh, fully in the vein of trying to be transparent and just as authentic as possible. Don't hear any of these as goal numbers. These are all just the reality of the different numbers. There's going to be a debt-free number, so what it actually would cost to move into the space. And if we raise that money, we wouldn't even have to take out a mortgage. There's going to be what we call a break-even number, which is taking into account the purchase price and what we currently pay in rent and expenses for these buildings, trying to make that even sort of how much we would have to raise in the pledge process. And then there is, is ultimately a, a go, no-go number that is after the admin team got all of the data and all of the numbers from the building committee, we said, look, if we raise this much, we can afford to move into this building and to go forward with it. But if we raise less than it, we can't. And so we won't. So we'll, I'll try to break all three of those numbers down for you in, in as much specificity as we have. So... First, with the cost, uh, the purchase price is $4.75 million. The renovation budget, uh, as described the process that, that Chris Cochran and the staff went through uh, to sort of come up with that. I want to be clear about that number, though. That number is not ideal state. So it doesn't include, for instance, bathrooms by the sanctuary or bathrooms in the kids' space, which we'd ideally love to have. But it does include... Uh, things we have to have for safety. So we have to put sprinklers in uh, in all of the classroom spaces. Uh, we'd have to put doors and walls in to contain the kids in, in certain places. Uh, and it would also make all of the rooms the right size and number of rooms that we need for the kids. It would also make the sanctuary ideal in terms of what we would want it to be. We'd put up some walls that would help with sound if you're in the tour you might have noticed if you're in the sanctuary space, if anyone was talking in the lobby, you could just about hear every word. So we'd deal with that, build the stage, do lighting, everything that's needed for the sanctuary. And, and this is a conservative number. So obviously Brassfield does very good work, and this has a 20% contingency in it. So it's, it's conservative. If anything, it's probably a little high, but it's also not crazy or unreasonable. Um, the lease termination number. So all of the, the current leases that we're under go another three years. So in order to get out of those leases, there are fees that we would have to pay to break the leases. Um, there's a chance that we won't have to pay the full amount, which is 189000 to break all of the leases because we may be able to get subtenants or we may be able to work out something with the landlord. But that is what we are legally obligated to pay for breaking the leases if, if that doesn't happen. So that adds up to $5.7 in costs. So that is sort of the first debt-free number. If, if we raise $5.7 through the pledge process, then we know that we won't have to finance anything and we'll be debt-free going into the new building. Um, I want to talk a little bit now about operating expenses because... Um, there is an increase in operating expenses in the new space versus this space. And this isn't talking about 
rent versus mortgage. This is talking about what does it actually cost to operate the space. So there are going to be expenses in the new building that we don't have now, landscaping, uh, pest control, pressure washing, and then there's expenses that are going to be more there than here, cleaning, because it's a lot more square footage. So we looked at, we had Bo Bryant uh, sort of send out RFPs to uh, all the vendors who would be interested in potentially servicing that new space. He got a bunch of bids back and picked the best ones, and it, it, it looks like it's $60,000 more in incremental or additional costs in the new space annually than in this space. And again, that's just to operate or maintain the space. It's not talking about mortgage versus rent. So that equates to $5,000 a month. So if we're looking at a break-even number, you know, the number that means we have the same cost structure in the future as we have currently, we have to account for that $5,000 in additional monthly expenses. And the way we need to do that is to take what we pay in rent, so $18,500, and reduce that by $5,000 on the mortgage payment. So if we currently pay $18,500 and what we'd want our mortgage note to be. So in order to finance, uh, or in order to get a monthly payment of $13,500 on the mortgage, the amount of money that we could finance on the best terms that we've been able to find, which Whit Smith is on the building committee, and he's been sort of making the lenders compete with each other and seeing what the best rate we can get is, um, which for anyone who's interested is, is on a 25-year note, so 25-year amortization schedule with a 10-year rate lock. They won't do more than 10-year uh, locking the rate in of 4.75%, which I think is currently... Um, 75 basis points less than prime. So we, Whit feels pretty good about that number. We've talked to other guys. They feel pretty good about that financing. Maybe it'll fluctuate a little bit if the prime rate fluctuates by the end of the year, but that, those are sort of the, the best financing terms we've been able to secure. So with those terms, trying to get to a $13,500 a month mortgage payment, that means we can finance $2,370,000. Okay, so that is the amount of money that we would be taking a loan out on. So if you take that amount of money over to the total, you subtract that, then the next question was, well, how much is the church going to be able to bring to the table in cash? And we've been doing these finance updates for years, and we've always said we carry a lot of cash on hand to prepare for hopefully this day when there's a building that we feel like God's calling us to and we'd like to be able to purchase. And so we've kept extra cash on hand to be able to do that. We tend to think about uh, our cash reserves on the admin team and how many days cash on hand it represents. And days cash on hand is just a way of saying, if you didn't take in another penny, how many days could you continue to operate the church with all of, ex all of its expenses? So we talked about what is our comfort level? How low would we go in order to free up cash to bring to the table at closing? And we said we would go down to 75 days cash on hand. Um, 15 of those days, which represents $58,000, is going to go to a, a moving, moving expense contingency. So we're going to have expenses, whether it's the actual physical moving expenses, buying new furniture, there's a lot more space, obviously, signage, you know, all the things that we're not necessarily itemizing or thinking about in granular detail right now, but that are real expenses that we're going to have we put a $58,000 contingency on that. So that then leaves us, we wanted 75 days cash on hand plus that $58,000 contingency for moving, that leaves us with $300,000 cash to be able to bring to the table. So you take that $300,000 and reduce further that total costs and that leaves $3,019,000. So if in the pledge process we raise $3 million we know that our costs will be no more in the future than they are currently. So that is our break-even number. If we're able to raise that $3,019,000, we have essentially stayed neutral in terms of costs from current state to future state. Um, I want to show for a second, and again, this next slide is, is something that, that you know, hopefully you take as a, as a handhold. It's information that we have and we wanted to share with you out of transparency. So... Alina Paramore, who is um, on the building committee, who uh, does fundraising for a living, uh, she was able to share a lot of data on sort of 
typical capital campaign projects for churches. And one of the things um, she then did is she took our anonymized giving, so just kind of obviously without names, you know, where people sort of give on an annual basis and was able to say that could track to these amount of gifts in, or these number of gifts in these amounts to get to that $3 million. And we thought this might be helpful to people to see as you're praying through how you might participate individually to just sort of see this is what it might take and, you know, to be able to see where you might fit in. Please don't see this as overly prescriptive as us saying you need to pick one of these amounts and you need to participate in, at one of these levels. That's not at all what we're saying. We're saying if this is helpful, use it. If not, don't. Um, go to the Lord and seek what he has for you and do that. Be obedient to God, not to, to this chart. Um, I also want to make the point, obviously that's a range of gifts from $250,000 down to $500. There is, you know, in, in God's eyes, a good gift is not necessarily the highest dollar amount. And if you pray and you look at your finances and, and you decide $500 is, is where God's calling us to participate, Give with joy and know that you are just as much a part of, of buying this church as the person who writes the $250,000 check in God's eyes. You know, we, we have the, the parable of the widow who gives the two coins and, you know, God says her gift is best because she's giving all that she has versus people who give far greater gifts. So um, just be prayerful, be intentional in seeking the Lord and, and give what he tells you. But we wanted to provide you with this um, in case it's a handhold, in case it's, it's helpful for you. Um, a couple days ago when we were sort of doing a dry run of this and, and, and with the building committee and, and talking through different aspects of it, uh, it led to a side conversation with Robin Burris, who's also on the admin team in the building committee. And uh, I just loved what he said and his heart on it. And so I asked if he'd come up and just uh, share for a couple minutes uh, what he shared that day. So, Robin. Teach me to keep my mouth shut <laughs> and teach you to keep your mouth shut because you might be up here next. But it was that we were Saturday and going through all this and, and um, I was just, I was thinking about all the practical things that, you know, Scott's talked, um, Scott, Chad's talked about, you know, on the, uh, the building and all that makes plenty of sense, you know, any, any business minded people and. Just you don't have to be business minded to understand that you know throwing two million dollars in the garbage can was kind of what we've done. Now, I mean, we've certainly got a lot of life out of that here, but I mean, it's two million dollars that is gone. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You could be a chicken plucker and understand <laughs> that it's a good thing. So what I said to him was, I you know I'm in case you hadn't noticed, I'm probably the oldest guy in the room. So, and Penny's the oldest lady in the room. <laughs> I, I'm, she's the one that told me that. When su Sunday, when they were doing the Mother's Day deal, she looked at me and says, I'm probably the oldest mother here. <laughs> so, we're, we're certainly, we're the senior citizens, so why am I excited about this? I mean, how, how long am I going to be around to enjoy the benefits of it? I mean, I don't even have little kids and what have you. And, and the truth is, is I've been thinking about it. It's like the Lord said to me, it ain't about you. Because it's not. <laughs> We're not going to be here near as long as y'all are. And we certainly won't be here near as long as your children will be here. And we won't be here as long as the new people who come to this church and their children and so forth. But we believe in what's going on at Stonebridge. And we want to be a part of that. We want to invest there. I mean, the kingdom is happening here. It's breaking out all over. I love to watch, you know, you young couples that are really putting the Lord first in your marriage. You're, you're endeavoring to be a Christian couple and have a Christian marriage. You're, you're taking your children bringing them to church. You know how many people out there don't do that on Sunday? You care enough about your family and, and their eternal future that you bring them here. And what I really love is that the people that are taking care of your children up there, they're not babysitting. 
They're not just trying to occupy the time and whatever. They, they're telling them about Jesus, and they're teaching them. And they're really making an impact for eternity on your family. And we believe in that, and that's why we want to be a part of what's going on. So we care about you. We care about your families. We, we care about the community. I'm born and raised in Marietta, Georgia. Born in 1952, right after Kennestone Hospital opened the new building <laughs> that's been built around 10 times. <laughs> but we were born here. We were raised here. We love Marietta. And you know what else? I love what Stonebridge means to the community of Marietta, Georgia. Y'all are having an impact. I mean, you, you go to Park Street School. Come up here on the Act Six days, the table on Delta things. Amen. There's a lot. I love we we've got a, a humble, gracious pastor, who who really teaches and preaches that we need to be doing our deal. We're nurtured and we're fed here and we're sent out there, and the people all over the community are making a big difference in Marietta and the outlying areas here and around the world for that matter. So we believe in. You, we believe, you know, in what you're doing in our community. And I, we just, we love this place. So we're in a funny place. Unlike a lot of you young couples, you, you know, y'all are you, young couples. You're, you're trying to carve it out here. You're trying to buy a house and cars, and you're trying to get your kids educated. You know, some of you scraping, you know, just so they can go to a, a Christian school or whatever. So you're, you know, you guys are, you're doing a lot for your family. And, you know, I want to encourage you to, you know, to keep doing that. But I, 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 I asked David if it was okay if I shared this. I didn't do it the other night. But I remember when Penny and I were young couples, a young, a young couple, <laughs> And I remember, you know, we were doing just like you're doing. We were, we were trying hard to, you know, raise our kids. And I remember, excuse me, I remember we had the grand total saved up of about $1,200 in the bank, waiting on Fridays to pay bills lots of times. But I can remember there was a couple that was really struggling, having a very hard time, and we felt compelled to help them. We prayed about it. <laughs> don't ask God you know what you should do because he might tell you to give a lot <laughs> but it was a blessed thing because we said God what do, what do we do about this and we just really felt compelled the two of us to, to give them a thousand dollars so we took a thousand dollars of money we had we didn't go borrow money but we took the thousand dollars we had and we gave it to that couple no strings attached, don't repay. God just impressed on us to do this for you, and we did that. And we felt great. <laughs> we, felt, we felt rich. <laughs> Though we had less, we felt like we had more because we had the joy of giving in, in that deal. So I don't know if it was a day or two later, but ours is a family business. And it was a small family business back in those days, and still small compared to some, but Nevertheless, a small business, and my office was upstairs. My dad's was downstairs, and he called me one morning. He could hardly speak. He says, can you, come down? can you come down here? Yes, sir. So I come down there, and I mean, he's kind of a mess in his office. He's, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what could be wrong. He said, well... I'm a weenie. He said, well, this morning, he, I said, I was just reading my Bible, having a little quiet time. And he says, I, I don't know where this came from, you know, but I believe that this morning the Lord told me to give you this. Hands me a check. It's a long time ago. <laughs> Hands me a check. I opened the check up, $10,000. I mean, I was blown away. I never seen ten thousand dollars. And he's he's explained to me. He said, "I don't know what possessed me, but honestly, I just feel God said that for some reason I need to give this to you. I knew why. 
know, they owe you, you know, given it shall be given to you. And I mean, so, you know, God multiplied back to us what we gave, and we gave with no strings attached, cheerfully. Now, folks, I'm not, I'm, hear me clearly. We did not give to get. And you shouldn't give to get. I don't know what God will do with you, but I tell you, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he knows stuff you don't know. He knows what's just around the corner. So I encourage you young people, don't look at your bank account and say, how much can we give? Look to him and say, Lord, what do we do? And be willing to do that. So that's what I say to you young folks. You old folks. <laughs> I would say to you, you know, you old folks, you look at that. There's a lot of big numbers on that thing up there. And that's just, that was Alina's estimation of just how it could look if we came up with that amount of money. It's a lot of money. I say to you old folks, some of us going to have to probably be willing to do what we need to do to see Stonebridge be what it's supposed to be. So I want to challenge all y'all to, to do that. Amen. Thanks, Robin. I wish we could end on that, but we got a little bit more uh, to go. And Penny, I'm, I swear I didn't know he was going to call you out like that. So, um, um, but but just to uh, to sort of echo some of what Robin said, um, you know, I was Sunday morning just was in here and was just feeling blessed by Stonebridge, and I feel that often by the community and by what God's done in my life and in my kids' lives for being here and. Uh, and I just thought, you know, we're running out of space. And if we don't do something to make space for other folks who could be blessed by this community and want to be a part of it, then, you know, shame on us. So, um, okay, let's talk the last number, the go, no, go number. So admin team looks at all the numbers that we just looked at from the building committee in great depth and kind of understanding everything that went into every number and said, so is, is break even our bottom line? Could we still move forward with the purchase and it be a, a financially responsible you know, decision where we're still being good stewards? And we said, yes, there is an amount that is less than that break even number. And so we, we started looking at it and you know, we've been praying about it the whole time and, and we came to 2.5 million. And that's not just a shot in the dark. Um, there's a number of paths that could get us there if we don't raise the full break-even amount. There's some money that could come out of that. We're hopeful that uh, we're not going to have to pay every dollar of that uh, those breakage fees. So, um, you know, and then, then the financing could could change a little bit. Who knows? But that's how uh, we could take on a little more if we want if if we wanted to and still be responsible. But that the break even number is super clear, so that's easy to actually do the math on. Like we did this two point five isn't as clear, but it's the number that we still feel very confident that if we raise that much money in this pledge process, then we can can confidently move forward and, and purchase the building. So that is our go no go number. If we do not get pledges for $2.5 million here in a couple weeks, uh, then, then we are not going to be able to, to move, and it's going to be a no. Um, and, and people have asked, what's, why is this timeline sort of so quick, and, 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 and why is it what it is? And, and part of it is, you know, when Bill approached us, you know, he's got other folks that uh, he potentially could sell the, sell the building to, and he's got to do what's best for his business as well. And so he needed an answer from us by the end of May. And then we're going to talk a little bit on the next slide about the logistics of giving. We need all of the money in that we're going to bring to the table to close by 1231 because we also told them we would close by the end of the year. So either 1231, 19, or 1-1-2020. So um, let's go ahead and go to the, the next slide and, and talk a little bit about the logistics of the pledge process. So there's cards uh, in the seats in front of you. Um, you'll also be able to make a pledge online. But I want to draw your attention first to the bolded sentence there in the, in the middle that says, I, we commit a tax-deductible gift of blank payable by December 31st, 2019. So this actual card, the pledge itself, needs to be in by Sunday after next. May 26th is the deadline to, to make the pledges. We need all of the pledges in um, on or by May 26th. The money that is going to at least count towards the go, no-go number and be in the decision as to whether or not we decide to, to move 
has to be able to be in by the end of this year, so 12-31-2019. So on that top line right there, only write the amount of money that you can give by the end of the year. Um, and, you know, we're going to enter into potentially a legally binding contract based on the pledges that we receive, so this can't be sort of what we hope or what might come in. This has to be the money that you can, can give us by 12-31-2019. Now, we also recognize that you know, when you're seeking the Lord and you're trying to understand what it is that you can do and want to do and feel called to do, it may end up being to give an amount that is more than what you can give by the end of this year. And so don't feel like that next line down there with blanks is an additional ask or that we're expecting that. It is, it is literally just a means if that's your situation and you would like to give, you feel called to give more than you can actually give by the end of the year. That's what that line is for. And that says... Uh, you know, in addition to uh, that, that top line, we'd also like to give X, and, and it would, we'd be able to get it to you on this schedule. So that is really just a separate and apart from if, if, if it's helpful for you, if, if that's your situation that, that you can give. So again, just to highlight, pledges have to be in uh, by Sunday after ne next, May 26th. Top number, bolded number, is uh, the money that would be in by the end of the year. And that's what we're going to have to base the go, no-go on because that's money we're going to have to have at closing. And then that, that bottom is if there's an additional amount you'd like to give and what timeline that is on. Uh, everyone is going to get an email on Thursday that will uh, sort of recap some of this stuff. Also have the link uh, to the website that you can do your online pledge if you prefer. It'll have a second link as well that everyone's going to have access to because, again, we want it to be as transparent as, poss as possible that is an aggregated tracker of the pledges we've received to date. So you'll be able at any point in time to go there and see what are the, what, you know, what's the total in pledges that we've received. If it ends up being a go and God says yes this final time and we're moving forward, you'll get a separate email um, at some point after the 26th that, that, is, uh, that says you pledge this amount and here's instructions on how you can actually give that money. And just so we're all clear, there's only two people in the church that are, gonna get, that are going to know what individual people pledge. And those are the same two people that know currently what ind individual people give. And that's Jesse Weber who does our books and accounting, and that's Bo Bryant, who in addition to being uh, our music minister is also our admin minister. So, um, so that's it, just so everyone knows. Um, one last point. So I, I, hopefully this is, is understood, but this, this should be money that is in addition to what you regularly give. So the money that you regularly give, that's, that's basically spent. I mean, that's accounted for in the budget. That pays our staff. That pays for programs. That's money that, that really is already earmarked for something. So this money that you're pledging is incremental. It's in addition to what you give regularly. And then that's really important because that's sort of what we based all the numbers on, right? It has to be incremental, too. Um, one last thing, just want to leave you guys with the numbers so they're fresh in everyone's mind. So that 5.7, that's the total cost. If we were to raise that, then no financing, no mortgage, we're debt-free. The break-even number, that means that we're confident that this move would be cost-neutral and we'd have the same amount of cost in future state as we do currently. And then 2.5 is that go, no-go that uh, will decide whether we move or not. I think David's going to come back up and, and close us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So a couple things. One, you may wonder why there are two numbers. Why do we have a break-even number and then this go, no-go number? Uh, at the family dinner, we said our two, the kind of the decision-making criteria for us in terms of the can we is we didn't want to be house poor. We don't want to take on such a large payment that it constricts us in terms of ministry or that it puts pressure on people to give, give, give. We don't want to do that. And the second thing we said was that we didn't want to assume growth. We didn't want to move forward and say, well, we can do this because we're going to grow. There's more space and more people will come and they'll give more money. It's something we wanted to be, be able to afford as we currently are um, constituted. And both of those numbers, 2.5 million and 3 million, fit that criteria. Neither one makes us house poor, and neither one assumes growth to work. So 
If that feels squishy to you, and it is squishy, how'd you get from three million to 2.5 million? It, it's, it's subjective. It's, uh, it's not hard math, like getting to that $3 million number. Comfort, if that gives you some heartburn, the comfort piece is that that number fits the criteria for us. It doesn't make us house poor, and it's we can afford, moving forward, we can afford that uh, based on what we currently have um, in the church, the people and the money that's currently uh, in the church. So that's one. If it, in a, It's an imperfect analogy, but maybe it helps a little bit. Some of you have moved from one house to another, and uh, some of you moved even within the same kind of geographic area, maybe one neighborhood to the next. Normally, when you buy a bigger house in the same area, you expect to pay a bit more money for it. And we're buying a bigger house in a reasonably close area, and so we expect to have to pay a, little, a bit more money for it. So if that just kind of helps you, how come, again, there's two different numbers? If you can break even buying the bigger house, it's great. But a lot of times, if you're getting something bigger and something nicer in the same general area, you're probably going to have to pay a bit more for it. And so we kind of work that uh, into the cost picture. Uh, second thing, uh, the feedback that we got it was, again, overwhelmingly positive. There's a handful of people who felt like it wasn't the right thing for us to do to move. Uh, there was a group of people, and it was a fair number, who said, we don't want to, but we, we get it. Like, we, we see that it's the right thing to do. There was some... Um, emotional connection to this space and to this building and just some sadness over leaving. And uh, a thread that I heard, particularly from that group, and again, the handful of people who are saying, hey, you, you don't need to do this, or you need to be really careful about doing this. The major concerns were, what's it going to do to us as a people? Identity, culture, ministry focus, is moving going to impact those things negatively? Is it going to change who we are uh, if you were at the family dinners, I, I mentioned the last time we really thought about moving was seven years ago in 2012, when we were looking at uh, the buildings back here that are now uh, the MDJ and that uh, Kennesaw State Incubator, and we were wondering, uh, should, should we go there? And after a, a similar process to what we, under, what, what we did uh, for this building, the answer was no, we, we shouldn't. And for me, it got down to maturity. We weren't mature enough to move in terms of... Uh, the vision and the mission of the church. It wasn't deeply embedded in our heart to the point that we felt like, well, if we move, uh, we would maintain that ministry focus. Kind of the, the phrase that came to my mind was, right now, if the square is not in front of our face, it's not going to remain in our hearts. And we can move when we're mature enough that it's in our hearts uh, deeply enough that it doesn't have to be in front of our face anymore. And I, and I said at the family dinner, I felt like we, we were that mature. I haven't been thrilled about any other place that we've looked at. I've honestly wanted all of them to kind of fall through because I've been really nervous about what it would do to us to move. And I haven't felt that way this time. I've had a, a sense of peace. And again, that's pretty squishy, but I've had a, a sense of peace about moving forward. And so I feel like we're mature enough. And then I got there a couple of pictures that came during this discernment process, one from Kaylee Freeman, uh, she's on our staff, and one from Daniel White, he's back there in the back, so you can ask him about that if you want to. Here are two pictures that we got, one at the beginning and one at the end. Kaylee said, I asked the Lord specifically for a dream about the new building and the move. None of the Highlands team were there, so that's the church that we're planting, David Scott, Maggie Bowling, Olivia Smith, none of them were there. It was just the Stonebridge staff minus them. Wherever we were, it felt like mine and Lucas's house. That's her husband. It didn't look like our real-life house, but it just felt like it was our house. Katie Leverett was holding a crying baby, and we were in the backyard digging up a really big tree. We were digging around the base of the tree, digging up the roots. We did not damage the tree at all or try to cut it down. And then at the very end of those two weeks, Daniel sent me this. And this is just a couple of bullet points. He had a pretty detailed email. The vision I had was one of the few remaining tall trees that used to line the square being uprooted and planted in a new location, and the growth and stretching needed for that tree to still provide fruit for its original environment, and the potential perils that come along with digging up established roots and planting in a new location. The picture I have of Stonebridge now is that we're like one of those trees lining the square that the city has been rapidly cutting down over the last few years because they grew too big for their little square plot. We thrived as a smaller tree that had a relatively focused vision, 
But now as our roots have deepened and our branches are multiplying, we may be straining the resources we have in our small plot and crowding the airspace. The danger of staying in that condition range from decreased fruit production to endangering the whole tree if the root and trunk system can't support what's growing above. Neither is a desirable outcome. So I take those two pictures and I push them together. And that, again, comfort and confirmation for me that we are mature enough. The idea of the church as a tree, that's a uh, picture that we use often. We have a program called Deep Roots. Uh, that's a metaphor that we use. And the idea that we could pick up and we could move and we don't damage the root system and that we're too big for the place that we are. I, I put those things together. And again, that's, that's subjective. Um, but that gives me comfort that it's not just, I don't just feel that we're mature enough. I feel like that's confirmation that we are mature enough to move. Things will change. They will. They, they will change 100%. But I don't think the core of who we are has to change. And if those pictures mean anything from the Lord, it's that we can move and keep, again, the, the foundation of who we are as a people. Uh, we can maintain our culture and our ministry focus, not just words on a wall, uh, but the heart behind who we are, uh, even when we move. So let me close with this, just to reiterate some of the things Chad said. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to go home and pray. I don't want you to fill out a card tonight. I want you to pray, and God's going to tell you a number, and it's going to be from zero to $5.7 million. <laughs> if God tells you to give $5.7 million, you need to call us because we won't, we won't have a, a meeting tomorrow. So you, you can do that. And it, it, it'll be somewhere in that range. And all, any, any, any of it's fine. Zero's fine and $5.7 million and everything in between is fine. What we want is for everyone to participate. If Stonebridge is your home church, we want you to participate. And by participating, that just means asking God, what do you want me to do? And God very well may say to you, I don't want you to give anything. Then don't give anything. And that doesn't mean that you hang your head. It doesn't mean that you have to sit, I get the worst seats for y'all are in the front. It doesn't mean you have to sit in the front row anymore. It doesn't mean that if we move, you can't park in a parking place. None of that. All we want is for you to be obedient. And if God says, give a million dollars, we're not throwing you a parade and we're not giving you a plaque and we're not naming obedience to the Lord. That's the win for us. Everybody obeying, that's the win. And so as long as you prayerfully say, God, what do you want me to do? Then you then you commit to that number without shame and without pride. Like Chad said, the Luke 21, you can read the story. Jesus somehow can say a woman who throws in two pennies gives more. That's the word, more than people who threw in hundreds. And only in his economy is two cents more than hundreds of dollars. He doesn't look at things the way that we look at things. He says gifts are acceptable based on what we have, not based on what we don't have. And so there's no, there's no comparison. There's not better or worse. There's just obedience. And that's the only thing that we're asking for. It does need to be real money. Don't say, you know what? My great aunt, things are looking a little iffy. I might be in the will, fingers crossed. Like, don't, that's not what we want. We want money that you can get between now and December. We're going to make decisions based on this. This is not lottery money. This is real money. And again, like Chad said, don't redirect. It doesn't do us any good if you currently give $100 a month to, uh, you put $100 a month when the bucket comes by and you say, oh, I'm going to give $100 a month to the building and you just change it. You've, you've given $0 to the building, so we would rather you just say zero uh, because that's just taking money out of one pocket and putting it in the other. So new money, real money, whatever money God lays on your heart to give. Some of you are, are married, and I would encourage you and your spouse to get on the same page. If there's di disagreement, work it out. Like, talk it through. Figure out what the number is. If you can't figure it out together, then take whichever number is going to cause the least amount of strife in your marriage, which is the lower one. That's it, the lower number. We don't want anybody having to go to marriage counseling because of your pledge to a building. Not worth it. So go, go for the lower number and everything will be fine. Um, again, dollar amount is irrelevant, and the only way we fail is if we're disobedient. If we don't get the building, I will be disappointed, for sure. Won't be devastated, and not getting the building is not a failure. It's not. The failure is 
disobedience. Just like the win is being obedient, the, the failing is being disobedient. And so we feel like that number is 2.5 million. 3 million would be great. 5.7 million would be over the moon. So uh, those are the things that we're looking at. And we'll just see what the Lord says again through the body. And, and I, I said at the beginning, and just to be clear, I do think it's a, it's a door that the Lord wants us to walk through. And that's my posture in this, uh, is to say yes and say, okay, what do we need to do to receive this gift that God is, I think, trying to give us? And if he says, if he ultimately says no, then we'll retrench and say, okay, what were you doing? What were you trying to say to us? And what does that mean for us moving forward? And we'll move forward. So just to be clear on kind of my stance and I think our stance as uh, leaders. So it's eight, and so I'm going to pray and let you go. You may have questions, and if you ha- you have something you want to say, BJ? Yeah, I was just saying the money goes to the Yep, so don't give any money until after May 26th, because we don't want to have to give it back if we don't get enough. So um, you'll get those. Go ahead and pledge. You'll get an email after the 26th that says, yes, we did, or no, we didn't. If we make the number, then there'll be instructions on how to give, um, and you can start doing that then. If you want a copy of the slides, Kim's got some back there. You can take that uh, on your way out if you want that. If you have specific questions, Chad will be around. Robin's here. BJ's here. He's on the admin team. Scott, Britt, so you can um, grab them, and you can ask them any questions that you may have about any of this because we want to make sure, again, that everybody feels comfortable with the information. Good? Great. I'm going to say a prayer. God, thanks for all of these folks. I thank you for their love for you, and I thank you for their commitment to uh, this church that you've been building for the last 12 years, and I, I trust that you're going to keep doing that. And honestly, I see the, the next step as moving, but I may be wrong. And so I pray that you'd speak really clearly to us over the next uh, seven to ten days, that you would stir hearts uh, to give and that we would do that again, not under compulsion, not out of fear, not out of guilt, but we would give joyfully whatever the number is, zero to whatever, that you would put on our hearts uh, to give. And I pray that collectively as a people, we would all be able to say, that was, that was God. It was so clear it was God. Uh, and we will uh, give you the honor and the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen.